I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called you, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when, you, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he, seems, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will, dip, will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. This is God's word. You may be seated. If uh, you came in uh, a little bit late this morning and didn't get the reminder at the beginning of the assembly that tonight uh, no small groups are going to be meeting. At 4.30 we're going to meet at the Fellowship Hall to, uh, to honor Alan and Martha Babcock for all of their years of, of service. Uh, Alan having recently retired from 25 years as a shepherd of this church. We just really want to pay the, them the, the thanks that is due them for all of the lives and the ways that they have influenced people and have blessed people over the years. And uh, their, their uh, sons have come in, uh, Jeff and, uh, and Brady are here. Uh, we are blessed to see Jen every week, but all of the kids are here. It's going to be a great time tonight. I want to really encourage you to be here tonight. And then uh, secondly, before we pray, as you know, it, it takes uh, a village not only to raise a kid, but it takes a village to run a worship assembly. And uh, we have a lot of people, as you, you, know, you get to see a lot of folks standing up here uh, on the stage, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And uh, up in the, the crow's nest, up in the balcony where we have all of our AV uh, and IT stuff, uh, there are a lot of folk up there that are, are working hard and, and dedicating a lot of time during the week and on Sunday mornings and sometimes not being able to sit with a spouse in order for us to have the, the, the blessing of a lot of the audiovisual stuff that we have. And uh, one of the guys that has uh, really just been such a blessing to, to all of us who stand up here and depend on slides and these kinds of things is a fellow by the name of Jeff Marks. And uh, we received the news, um, uh, the sad news several weeks ago that that, uh, that Jeff and family were going to be moving from San Antonio to uh, Columbus, Ohio. I mean, I'm not insulted by that, but I wonder why. <laughs> but, I, but we all, all of us that know Jeff and Teresa and, and the kids, that's home. Born and raised uh, folk from Ohio. And the blessing that they have been to our church, I know that uh, they're going to be a blessing to the church up in Columbus. And although... Um, uh, spouse and kiddos are going to, to be here through the end of the month. Today is Jeff's last, uh, last Sunday. And uh, for all of the, the things that he has done to make us a better church, I'd like to get Jeff to stand. Where are you, Jeff? Can we get you to stand? Thank you so much, brother, for... His wife's going, oh no, they're going to make me stand too. You got three weeks to prepare. <laughs> 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 Let 
Let's begin with a word of, of prayer. Father, we cannot say thank you enough. And so we won't try to say it enough, we'll just say it continually. You have all of our gratitude, all of our affection. You have us in gratitude for everything you have done since that time when the words of Genesis 1 became a reality for us. To this day in which we find ourselves in your presence, not just in this hour, but we find ourselves in your presence every moment of our life. Having been redeemed, our sins washed away, your spirit put in us, your word resonating in our souls on a daily basis. We are grateful for your presence in every way that you make your presence known and manifest to us. And so as we think about how all of the impact of your grace and your gospel come to bear in our life, we pray that you will help us through ears and eyes that hear and see to discern, to discern the unfathomable depths of the love that you have for us. And this is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin, uh, oddly enough, with a, a fairly serious question. And the question is this. What would you do if you were given the information that tonight is the last night of your life? Think about that. And then take a moment and just share it to the person there in the pew with you. Share what you would do tonight if this was your last night. You know, fortunately, enough of you are talking loud enough. I heard somebody over on this side say, I'm eating all the banana pudding I can. <laughs> you know, you remember that story of W.C. Fields, right? He's reading the Bible, was not known to be a, a, a person of faith any, in anybody's imagination. And somebody walks in, and he's sort of embarrassed, and they ask, uh, Fields, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for loopholes. I, I think that that, you know, probably defines what a lot of us would be trying to do, is, is, is trying to avoid it somehow. And this is something that Jesus experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays, Father, let this cup pass from me. We often do not think of this, though. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus says, for, uh, or, or uh, Paul is speaking about the Last Supper and he says, for what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given, what? Thanks. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In a moment of giving thanks to God, the, the thoughts about his death are not very far from his mind. He's not thankful because of death. 
But he is thankful because he sees some things in life because of God that will always trump death. And he can be thankful. On Wednesday, May 8, 2013, the family of Dallas Willard, they were called into his hospital room for their last goodbyes. A fellow by the name of Gary Black, who has written some on Willard's theology, spent the night in the room with Dallas, who shortly before 6 a.m., and this is Gary Black's account, he says, right before 6 in the morning, in a voice clearer than it had been in days, Dallas leaned back his head slightly, and with his eyes closed, he said, thank you, and passed. And Gary says that he did not feel that Dallas was talking to him, but that he was talking to another presence that, that he seemed to sense in the room, a very present and now finally visible God. And the last words that he uttered in this life, you know the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We, we talk about his writings a lot around here. Uh, right before he died, he was uh, put in a prison camp during World War II, transferred from Buchenwald to Flossenburg. On April 9, 1945, he is, he is hanged by the Nazis. While he is in prison serving out his sentence before the execution, he writes a little book entitled Letters from Prison. And he writes this this tremendous line. He says, In ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give. And that it is only with gratitude that life becomes what? Rich. I often see thankfulness and gratitude, especially you go on Amazon and you look at books. You see all kinds of books, a positive mental attitude, these kinds of things, pop psychology. I often see these things, thankfulness and gratitude, treated as, as just that. And believe me, there are a lot more benefits from a life of gratitude than, there, than there's ever been from ingratitude. But the kind of thankfulness that the Bible talks about is more than just saying thank you when you don't see anything else to be thankful for. I think Thornton Wilder, the, uh, the playwright, is on the right path when he says, we can only be said to be alive in those moments when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. How conscious are you of your treasures? Here's a definition of thanksgiving you can write down on your outline. The definition goes something like this. Thanksgiving is a way of life. It's not just something you do. What you do in thankfulness is just, is just, it just issues out of a heart of thankfulness, of gratitude, appreciation. Thanksgiving is a way of life in all of life in response to the kindness of God. Think about the kindness of God. Just not just the good things that, that are brought into your life that you experience every day, but think specifically of the kindness of God when it comes to your daily bread. I mean, I, I love to cook, but I never created any of the stuff that I cook with. Our daily bread is something that Jesus tells us in, in the model prayer, the, 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 the disciples' prayer. This is how you pray, give thanks to God. For daily bread, the, the, the rabbis taught in Judaism that anything that was received like food without thanksgiving was the same as stealing it. 
How about our forgiveness? And not just our forgiveness, but the new life that we receive in Christ because of His death, burial, and resurrection. Things that I could never do for myself. And we are able to go to bed at night with a clear conscience and conscience and sleep knowing that our guilt has been removed, as Paul would say in Romans, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Are you thankful that your prayers are heard by the Creator of the universe? That when you speak, He inclines His ear in your direction. Or the presence of God. The presence of God is one of God's greatest kindnesses to us. And the Bible teaches that thanksgiving to Him and giving thanks and gratitude and appreciation is a way of life and all of life as a response to the kindness of God. Paul says to the church in Colossae, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, that is the context, the, the, the fabric out of which you speak and you do, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Thanks to God the Father through Him. He, uh, First Chronicles chapter 16, a phrase that reverberates throughout not just the history of the Old Testament, but also the words of the Old Testament. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is what? Good. And His love endures forever. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, that life of ingratitude or that, that life that doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to the benefits that come to us because of the presence of God and, and His love and compassion towards us, that brings a heavy price into a human life. Uh, Paul says in Romans 1, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave what? Thanks to Him. And because of that, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. What Paul is trying to help that church in Rome to see is that it's not natural in a fallen world for human beings to be thankful. Thankfulness is counterintuitive in a fallen world. In a fallen world, it's all about me. It's about about myself, my life, my things, my stuff, my well-being, my sense of self. And the greater the sense of entitlement the smaller the sense of gratitude, the smaller the sense of thankfulness. This is what I'm owed. And so one of the things that we do as disciples of Jesus of Nazareth is we have to train ourselves to be thankful. The question is, how do you do that? How do you train yourself to live in a constant consciousness of the treasures that you have received from God? The first is this, consider your true treasure. One of the questions I I ask myself, uh, not every day, but on a regular basis, is do I perceive that my life, regardless of the circumstances, is rich? I'd ask the same of you. Do you see your life, regardless of the circumstances, as rich? 
a really good place to start to begin to kind of inventory all of the good things, the benefits that come to us from God. Uh, All of Psalm 103, but here's the first five verses. The writer says, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Think of the benefits that God brings into your life which become our truest treasures. The fact that we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven and that there's healing. And this is not just of of the body's diseases, but it's healing of the soul where we are most sick until we come into contact with the gospel. He redeems us, which means that we have ended our slavery to sin. It means that it no longer has mastery over us. It means that we now have a life that is given to a new master. He crowns us with love and compassion. That these are the things that He places on your head. He satisfies your desires for good things. He brings renewal to you. One of my, I say uh, Psalm 23 every morning and every evening. One of my favorite parts of that psalm. At the very beginning, He restores my soul. Let's say that together. He restores my soul. One of the things that I would challenge you to do sometime today is to grab a piece of paper And start a list of the benefits of God. And one of the things that you'll begin to see is that your life is filled with the benefits of God. So innumerable that unless you write them down or attempt to write them down, you're not not going to be able to get them in in, in plain sight until you begin to sit down and think about it. You know, to the chagrin of many of my friends, I am a lover of Topo Chico from the great city of Monterey, Mexico. It's mineral water, which is also known. That's, that's sort, of its, uh, sort of its common name. But for those of us that love Topo Chico, it's sparkling water. If you are not careful, and you uh, open up that bottle of Topo Chico, it will bubble up and it will overflow down onto your hand. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're inside or outside. It doesn't matter if it's day or night, if you're in a car or in the house or whatever the environment. You can't keep the sparkle in. In a manner of speaking, your life, with all of the things that God has done, There should be so much sparkle that comes out of us, out of a heart that, and a soul that has been so enriched that it just seems to overflow into all of the people around us. And those are the blessings of God, and it does not matter the circumstance. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Disciples of Jesus should be the most authentic practitioners of thanksgiving in the world. 
There should be people who, who really may not know a whole lot about our doctrine, but because of their contact with us, even if it's just in a sort of an amicable way, but especially in the ways in which we're ministering to people, they should say, I don't know much about them, but I know this. They are thankful for what it is that God has done in their life. There's just something about what God has done in their life that just makes them sparkle. These are thankful people. And then not only do you consider your true treasure, but you consider the treasure giver. You know, it's not enough to know that there's treasure in your life because that treasure is not there by accident. Those blessings that sparkle in your life are not random. The source of your true treasure is God who works good into your life. The brother of Jesus writing this general letter to the church, he says in the first chapter of the letter we know as James, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, he sparkles too, who does not change like shifting shadows. To be a thankful person, that is one of the things we must believe about God. That there are blessings of God that feel like Well, they feel like you just hit the lottery, but they are not the lottery because it's in the nature of God who loves to bless, and the lottery is random. It is part of the nature of God who is love and mercy and kindness to bless people. I love the way that he's described by Eugene Peterson in the message. John chapter 1, we all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift after gift after gift. You know, for those of you who are parents, you know that it is in the nature of loving parents to give their children in a way that causes the children to grow up and to flourish and to mature, become responsible and to become beautiful. They provide the environment that blesses the child, all the resources. They make sacrifices. They bring all of this into the life of the child in order for that child to to flourish and to thrive. There is nothing that a parent grips so tightly, unless maybe Saturday night and car keys. But there is nothing that a parent grips so tightly that he is unwilling to let go in, in order for that child to be blessed. And there is no way that you can think about the way that a parent blesses a child without thinking of that passage in Philippians 2, where Jesus did not count equality with God something to grasp and to cling and to hold on to but was willing to open his hand and to let it go in order for the only chance for us to have life with God might be made real. And so disciples of Jesus should live in a constant sense of awe of their good fortune because of a gracious God. And then finally, consider that you are the treasure. I remember to this day a book I read uh, 30 years ago by Frederick Buechner that was entitled Peculiar Treasures. It was the first time that I had ever considered that God might see somebody like me as a treasure. In Exodus chapter 19, this is the, the King Jimmy. It says, Ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. A treasure unto me. 
It's not just there. Psalm 135, the psalmist says, For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. You know, we've talked about this before. One of my favorite verses when it comes to talking about the love of God in Christ and the love of Christ as seen on the cross, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, where we are told that for the joy set before him, before Jesus, he endured the cross. What, what joy, what joy did the Christ not have in heaven that he was willing to endure the cross in order to have? What is it that he had in that perfect harmony with God the Father and God the Spirit that God the Son became flesh and did not become just a man but a servant and not just a servant, one who was obedient to death and not just death but death on a cross, Philippians chapter 2. What is that joy? Well, the one thing that he did not have in God's heaven is us. It is for us. It is for us. And I think that when we finally get to that place where we're beginning to see the first mile of a million miles of what it means to be loved by God, it brings not a little humility into your life. Sense of unworthiness. A life a life that you could never get on your own if you had a million lifetimes. My life is not what I am owed. My life, church, is a gift that I have from God. I've told you this before. There was a time when the highest aspiration that I had in life was to be a drummer in a rock and roll band. Can you imagine? My life is a gift. I feel compelled each day to say to God personally, on Mark Absher's behalf, thank you. Say thank you. And it's not because my life is pain-free or easy. It's not because there have not been periods of struggle, of being without, or there's never been a disappointment or a sadness or a failure. There have been many. We can be thankful because we are never even in the worst of moments. We can be thankful in all circumstances because we're never alone anywhere in this universe. And so we say thank you. I think that's the way we should end uh, this sermon this morning. For us, just to, just to say thank you to God. And so I want you, with your outside voices and with, 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 with all of the, the gusto that is appropriate in, the, in your heart in responding, I want you to say thank you when I ask you a question. If your sins have ever been forever forgiven, say thank you. If you are someone different today because of His amazing grace, say thank you. If you've been blessed to be a part of a church family, say thank you. Thank you. If you've ever benefited from His kindness, say thank you. thank you. 
If you have ever been on a mountain and you have felt his glorious presence, that it was so palpable that you never wanted it to stop, say thank you. And if you have in times of turmoil felt wave after wave after wave of joy because he is never far from the faint-hearted, say thank you. And if in the days of sorrow you have felt an indescribable peace because a loving God has put his hand on your aching heart, say thank you. And if you can say my cup is never half empty and my cup is never half full because my cup overflows, say thank you. Let's stand and sing. When